If you have your Bibles and you'll go with me in the Old Testament to the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 3. chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, and proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne. He laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell? God will turn and repent or change his mind and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil or changed his mind that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. I ask you to stretch your hands this direction and pray God's blessing and anointing over the ministry of his word today. Father, we come before you grateful for your presence, for your spirit that is already here. I sense strongly that you have already answered prayer in this service. Now as we come to the breaking of the bread of life, we pray that the word of God would come alive, it would be quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Minister to our children today, Lord. As they are in children's church, may the word of God come alive to them as well. Lord, may every part of this service, the remainder of this service, bring glory and honor to you. And for these things, we give you thanks and we give you praise. And the church said, Amen. Look at your neighbor and say these words. You need a wake-up call. You need a wake-up call. If you've been in church any length of time, you know that the story of Jonah and the whale is one of the more well-renowned stories of the Bible. But what you may not know is that it is one of the most disputed miracles in the Word of God. Scholars from various venues and veins have tried to nullify and 
invalidate the miracle that is the story of Jonah. But I declare it is God's Word. I declare it happened just as the Word of God laid it out. Maybe you heard of the Christian woman who was on a plane and she was flying to her destination. She was reading her Bible. And there was a very cynical man that was sitting next to her and he said to her, I don't believe all the junk in that book you're reading, do you? And the woman looked at him and she said, I certainly do believe every word in this precious Bible. And the sarcastic man asked, well, how did old Jonah breathe in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights? And the Christian lady responded, she said, I don't know, I'll ask him when I get to heaven. And the man said, well, what if he isn't there? And then she said, well, you can ask him. <laughs> the book of Jonah called it a great fish that swallowed him. But Jesus, in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40, called it a whale. Could you envision Jonah fresh out of the whale's belly? regurgitated up on the seashore with moss and seaweed and some whale slobber hanging off of him. Luke chapter 11 and verse 30, Jesus called Jonah a sign to the Ninevites. And oh, what a sign and a sight that he must have been. Smelling fresh of salt water and whale saliva. But yet God used him. To bring about a massive spiritual awakening. And chapter 4 tells us that 120,000 children were spared of the city of Nineveh. Which means that somewhere easily between 300 and 500,000 people's lives were spared and given another chance. The question is what happened to bring about this great spiritual revival in Nineveh? I submit to you that what happened is, is that they heard the word of God, they heard the judgment of God was pending, and they believed God. Now let me make sure that I drive this point home and make sure that you see it. Number one, they heard the word of God. Y'all out there, they heard the word of God. Number two, they heard that judgment was pending. And then number three, they believed God. I, as I read that this week and was pondering in preparation for this morning, I, I thought, you know, it was no different for the people of, uh, for me than it was the people of Nineveh. I remember sitting in church and I remember listening to the preacher talk about how scary and troubling the great white throne judgment would be for unrepentant sinners who would stand there before their creator and their judge. I remember hearing the preacher talk about how it was going to be for those who don't know Jesus and how hot hell was if I didn't accept Jesus into my heart as Savior and Lord. One day, just like the people of Nineveh, I believed God. Can I tell you today, the message has not changed in 2020. It is the 21st century. 
And yes, I stand before you like every other pastor worth their salt in America. I want to see God's church grow. I want to see it expand. And I know that there are social issues to be addressed. And I desire to be relevant and impacting in today's culture. But let us not be detracted. Let us not be distracted. The judgment of the unrighteous is just around the corner. Hebrews says it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. Not only is there judgment but the scripture says that there is a place originally prepared for the devil and his angels. It's called Gehenna in the Greek. It's called the lake of fire in the New Testament. It's just as real today as it ever has been. There is a burning unquenchable flame that awaits those who don't accept Christ and those who don't live for Jesus with all of their heart, their soul, and their mind. It is for real. And I stand before you today to give you a wake-up call. You've heard the term shock to reality. Well, I'm here to tell you reality today is making us dull to eternity. And what we really need is a shock to eternity. What we really need is a wake-up call that these things that are going on around us are only temporal, but there is an eternity that we all have to reckon with and come to grips with. Can someone say amen? Can you see a whole city believing God from the old to the young, from the wealthy to the poor, from the gatekeeper to the king, from the socially elite to the socially outcast, from the beggars to the guards, from the introvert to the extrovert, all fell on their faces and believed God. Now this is what I really want to drive home. I want you to get this understanding that they had a 40-day Notice in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 4, this was the word of the anointed prophet. The word was this, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. You have 40 days. As I thought about that this week, I thought this shakes me at my foundation. And it began to cause me to ask myself and subsequently every one of you in this sanctuary and everyone watching live stream this morning, what would you do with a 40 day notice. What would you do with a 40-day notice? Uh, could you imagine tonight you turn on the evening news and because of the impact of it, Lester Holt is on or, or David Muir is on or whoever you watch and they come on the news on the television and say this is a special report. On August 7th, 2020, Jesus Christ the promised Messiah and the Savior of the world will be coming in the clouds uh, to catch away the church, the bride of Christ. Can you imagine hearing that on your television this evening at 6.30 when you flipped it on and you, you realize that's 40 days from now. August 7th, Friday is, is 40 days from this moment. What kind of impact would that announcement have upon you? Let me just stop here and tell you, God has never broken one promise in the word of God and he's not about to start now. 
Jesus Christ is coming again. He's coming back for one purpose and one purpose alone. And that is this. He is a groom and you and I are his bride. The saved, the truly saved are his bride. And the scripture says we're going to be caught up together with him in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Every promise he's ever made to this moment, he has fulfilled. Every promise moving forward from here, he's going to fulfill. Just as sure as Jesus came the first time as a babe in the Christmas season, he is coming again. They stood on the hillside in Acts chapter 1. The disciples looking longingly up into heaven as he ascended slowly into the clouds. But there was two men that stood there in white and they looked at the disciples and they said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus that you see go up into heaven shall come back in like manner as you have seen him go away. I'm telling you the promise is true. The promise is sure. Jesus Christ is coming again. Well, praise the Lord. So the first question I ask is, what would the world do with a 40-day notice? On August 7th, 2020, the, 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 everything is coming to a conclusion. What would the world do with that kind of announcement? I submit to you that the Republicans and the Democrats would still continue to bicker over coronavirus and immigration and police reform and who should be wearing a mask and who shouldn't and whether it should be the state to regulate it or the federal government. Uh, they'd still be arguing over impeaching, how to impeach the president and how to protect the president. And the blame game that has always existed would continue to exist. I'm telling you, if the world was given a 40-day notice, baseball fans would still gear up for a shortened 60-game season that begins toward the end of July. If the world was given a 40-day notice, people would continue to look past August 7th to find answers on when is the school year going to start and what's it going to look like when it gets here. Summer vacationing, Brother Turpin, would continue to happen if the world received a 40-day notice. Protests and chop zones would continue to be set up. Cries for monuments to be torn down would continue. You and I would still continue to listen to reports on COVID-19 and the slants that come with those reports and determine what our personal course of action could be during this pandemic. People would still be in the four corners of the boxing ring crying out black lives matter and white lives matter and blue lives matter and all lives matter. Can I tell you it seems like our normal has disappeared and there has become a new norm and it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Can anybody agree with that? It seems like life as we know it has suddenly been dramatically altered. I'm telling you, we've been pulled in every direction and here's the truth. We knew it was coming and now we're here. If you are not a tolerant individual, you will become targeted as intolerant you will become an adversarial person that's where we have come to because the moral compass of our world and our nation is completely gone 
That's why I know if the world got a 40-day notice, nothing would change. Business would go on as usual. For the Bible says in Matthew 24 and 38, as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Noah prepared for the flood for his family and for anyone that would also come to safety. But he also warned the people according to 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 5. Warned them that it was coming because the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. A pre- Now don't miss that today because I know we're living in this convoluted anything kind of goes and God is love and you can live oh, any old kind of way you want but I'm telling you Noah was a preacher of righteousness while he was swinging a gospel hammer and building a boat he was preaching about right living before a holy God but if August 7th Jesus was coming back the bottom line is that the world would go on business as usual and would do absolutely nothing to change. In fact, truth of the matter is, it might get a mention in the 6.30 news hour, but it probably wouldn't get no focus. You out there? Then I began to ask myself the question, what would the church do with a 40-day notice? If you, as a Christian, as a believer, knew with certainty that Jesus Christ was coming back on August 7th, Friday, August 7th. If you knew on August 7th that sometime during that 24-hour period you were going to be raptured out of this world, what would the next 40 days look like for you? In 40 days, you're going to come face-to-face with your eternity. And it's not just to thank God it's Friday. It's the day of all days. My question is, how would you begin your day tomorrow? My question is, how would you end your day tomorrow? What would your conversation be like? Would your conversations be different than they are now? Would your entertainment change? All that meddlesome spirit's coming on. Would you still buy your lottery tickets? Would your jokes still be off color? Would your eyes still wander as she walks across the street in her short skirt and her low-cut blouse? Would your attitude change? The scripture says in Nineveh, with a 40-day notice, all the city proclaimed a fast No one, person or creature, had anything to eat. They all put on sackcloth, which was a sign of repentance and sorrow for their sin. Everybody, young and old and everyone in between. And then the third thing you need to know is that not only did they fast, not only did they put on sackcloth, but everyone turned from their evil way. They begged God for mercy. They begged God for forgiveness. They turned from their evil way. And I love what verse 10 says. Thank God for verse 10. And God saw their works. 
God saw them fast. God saw them repent. God saw them put sackcloth on. God saw them turn from their evil way. And he changed his mind. Mm, Lord, help me preach here. We have multitudes across our land that are declaring, I believe in God. I believe in his love. I believe he is coming. And yet they live quite the opposite. The world has so embraced God as a God of love that they have forgotten that he is a God that is holy. Too many live their so-called Christian experience never working in God's kingdom. Living like Jesus will not come for another 50 years. They say, I have faith. But in reality, they believe exclusively as an issue of the heart. And it never leads to any action. It has never, ever worked that way according to Scripture. In James chapter 2, it says this word. Even so faith, if it has not works is dead being alone yet a man may say you have faith that i have works but james writes and says show me your faith without your works and i'll show you my faith by my works faith and works go hand in hand you chuck works from the occasion from the equation rather faith cannot survive solo now, don't you go out of here saying he's, he's, he's quoting some wrong doctrine. It takes faith to get saved. You can't get saved by works, but once you do apply faith, once his grace is appropriated to your life, when you get up from that altar of repentance, you're not just going to walk and say, well, I believe, I believe, I believe, and not have some works that go alongside of that faith. It's going to change everything about you. Everything is going to be new. The old is going to pass away, and you're going to start doing things for Jesus and for his kingdom because faith without works is dead and a dead faith is no faith at all. I'm going to step out on a limb here. It may get sawed off on me. But I would submit to you if August 7th, if we had 40 days left and we believed it, we would beg our loved ones to come in before it's too late. If we had 40 days late left, we would improve and increase our prayer life like never before. Understanding the need for divine intervention in such a short period of time. If we had 40 days left, we would do ministry, whatever is needed, to help the church to be a light in the community in the less than six weeks that we have left to live here. If we had 40 days left, people naming Christ wouldn't live in questionable compromise. They would know their 40 days of choices will have eternal implications. Mm. We had 40 days left, we wouldn't spend God's tithe money on our summer vacation. Oh, I felt that bounce back. If we had 40 days left, 
people wouldn't seek any menial excuse to lay out a church on the Lord's Day. <laughs> oh, here I go. But they would be anxious for those godly corporate encounters with the Lord. Now, now, lest you misunderstand the preacher, let me clarify. I do understand, and I even applaud those who feel for their health that watching online is their best option for the next few weeks, and their heart aches to be in church. I understand that. They are our church family. Let me look right into the camera and tell you, we love you. You are our family. And you should take your time and there is no rush. But let me go on record that there will no doubt be the spiritually dull and the lukewarm that will use online church as their crutch to keep them out of church and ministry and, frankly, accountability. Talk to too many pastors, and as grateful as I am for technology, there's nothing better than being amongst multiplied faith in the house of God. Where two or three are gathered in his name. There may be some folks squirming on their couch right now. I'm telling you, I love you in the Lord, but I'm telling you right now, if the devil can rock us to sleep, he'll certainly do it. He'll do it. If he can lull us into apathy. <laughs> there are people dotting all over our country now. Stay at home. Don't go to church. Well before COVID hit, there is a mega ministry, and they're mega not because of the amount of people that are in the sanctuary, but they're a mega ministry because now they have online membership. Some of you watch them. Hey, it's great that you get the gospel from them, but it does not left, leave the watcher and the hearer off the hook from assembling together in the house of God and even so much more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. If we're not careful, we'll get lazy at our labor. Reminds me of the reporter. Some of y'all saw the story. A lot of online reporting from home. And so this knucklehead decided he would just wear shirt and tie and no pants to report. <laughs> On live TV, sitting at his computer. Waist up. It all went fine until he forgot that he didn't have pants on and the world saw him stand up in his boxers. <laughs> he had gotten lazy. At his labor. I'm telling you, just as sure as I'm standing here, this is heavy upon my heart this morning. And God, the Holy Spirit, really laid it on me this week. 
Because we can have detractors that have to do with what monument should stay and what monument should go. And whether we should be wearing a mask or whether we should not be wearing a mask. And what is the federal team doing and what's the state team doing. And we can have all of these things that will try to consume and take over our mind. And the whole time the Holy Spirit is saying, scream to the people that the Son of God is about to split the eastern sky. And keep eternity as the main focus of their lives. My God, my God, even so, Lord, come quickly. Oh, Lord, don't get lazy with your labor. Faith without works is dead faith. Dead faith is no faith. And without faith, Hebrews says it is impossible to please the Lord. If I haven't said it, and I haven't, to this moment, Nineveh had an advantage over us. They had a 40-day notice. Matthew 24, 14. Therefore be ye ready, for it's such an hour that you think not. The Son of Man cometh. In that same chapter, for as the lightning flashes out of the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. The Lord is coming. He's not slack concerning His promise. But He's long-suffering to usward. Willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Some of you need to start doing something. Some of you need to stop doing something. Jesus is coming soon. And you will not get a 40-day notice. Today is your wake-up call. Today. Is your wake-up call.
Would you stand with me this morning? Jesus could come back before August 7th. He could come back in the next 40 minutes. The next 40 seconds. And as I was praying the other morning, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Said, be careful to not be distracted so much by protest and how much these lives matter and these lives matter. Make sure your priority is that your heart is right and ready to meet me. Be careful not to be so consumed with this present life. Even with a pandemic, that you lose sight of me, Jesus, and how important your relationship. Church, I want the right wedding garment on. And when that wedding garment is on, I don't want it to have any spots any blemishes. One time several years ago I was doing a study on the wedding garment in the book of Revelation and I looked it up in the original. The word wedding garment has to do with the righteous acts of the saints. The daily question am I ready to meet the Lord? Does he have every part of me? Every part. Saying Lord, Lord and living Lord, Lord can be two different things. Many will say Lord, Lord in that day and he will say depart from me, I never knew you. Because they didn't possess what they professed. How sold out are you to Jesus? Answering that question answers the next. Are you ready to meet the Lord? My God, I feel the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads with me? What price will you pay that you haven't paid to this moment if you were to have less than 40 days on this earth or less than 40 days before the Lord comes? What price have you not paid? What sacrifice have you not given? This is your wake-up call. Oh, God. Jesus. I've been distracted detractors are many, they're numerous. Even with good intentions, sometimes we get carnal and even sinful. While the enemy sits back and laughs at us.
saved or unsaved? Is he just Savior? Is he Lord? Let me, let me just make it simple this morning. Real simple. For everyone in this room and everyone that's, that's watching this service, right now, this moment, see the heart, the heart is wicked above everything. Who can know it? Only you and the Lord, and the Lord knows it better than you know it yourself. And, and, and the scripture tells us to guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it come the issues of life. So, so really and truthfully, only you can answer this question. Only I can answer this question. Is your heart ready to meet the Lord? If it's not, and there's some things that you just need to get under the blood, because you don't know whether you have 40 days, 40 minutes, or 40 seconds, and there's some things you need to get right with Jesus, this altar's open. This altar's open for you to just come and kneel or come and stand and find you a corner somewhere. I'm telling you, I wouldn't sit back. There's an urgency in my spirit this morning. I'm not just up here some kind of motivational speaker. When I stand behind that sacred desk, I, I do my best to seek God and try to know what his mind is for this body, for this community. And I'm telling you, there's an urgency in my spirit. Are you ready to meet the Lord? While every head's bowed and every eye's closed. Say, preacher, I need prayer. I promise I won't come back. I won't grab you by the hand, drag you down to the altar. That's got to be your choice, your decision. But you'd say this morning, preacher, pastor, I'm glad you were obedient, and I'm glad this is a sobering message. I needed to hear it because there are some things I need to get straightened out with Jesus. There's some things I need to get right with God. With no one looking around, would you just raise your hand and put it right back down? Thank you for that hand. Come on, is there others? Thank you for that hand. Is there others? You just raise your hand and put it right back down. I acknowledge that I have some things I need to work out. God bless that hand. I implore you. I implore you today. Don't, don't belabor the issue. It's more important than getting tested. It's more important than standing for your cause. It's more important than protecting your rights. Your relationship with Jesus. This this is your wake-up call. My God. I'm just going to wait another moment. Just going to wait another moment. Just going to wait another moment.
Brother Jay Roop, I'm going to ask you to come up here. I'm gonna, I want you to pray over the church. Jay's one of our elders. I appreciate this man of God. I family been through a rough time here the last few days. Pray, pray over the church as you feel directed, as the Lord would lead you. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, we know all too well recently, all too sobering just how close we are to you and how fragile this life is, God. And Lord, as we listen to this message this morning, we need to take it to heart. And Lord, about our priorities, what's truly important, God, is our relationship with you, as our heart with you, is knowing you and accepting you, giving you our all, and pleading with the others, pleading with others, dear God, just to know the same relationship that we have with you. So God, as we go out of this place today, dear Lord, let us examine ourselves. Lord, strengthen us that we can be brave, that we can be courageous, that we can reach out to others, that we can show them the, the life that we live for, the Savior that we have in our hearts. And God, more, most importantly to God, the hope that we have, the hope that we have that no matter what happens, that no matter what we go through each and every day, that you are there for us, that you have that promise for us, and we hold true to that, God, and we give you the honor, the Lord, that you deserve. And we just have you walk with us each and every day. Thank you so much for that hope, for that love. Lord, that we can just all share in that and share with each other in that, dear God. The Lord, thank you for our hope and our salvation. In Jesus' name.